Hi, Cardinal fans. I'm Ozzie Smith. Smith corks one into right down the line. It may go. And you're listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Here's your host, Brent McMillan. Welcome to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. It's the official podcast of the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm your host, Brett McMillan. Today's guests are Tom and Matt Pagnazzi. Now, if you watch the Cardinals in the 80s and 90s, you definitely know Tom. He caught for the Cardinals from 87 to 98, won three gold gloves during that time. Matt is Tom's nephew. His career in St. Louis, much shorter, just 21 games combined over the 2009 and 10 seasons. But there was a lot of hype around Matt's debut because of that well-known last name. And Tom definitely had a big, big impact on his nephew growing up. You'll hear their separate interviews shortly, some great memories and recollections about their relationship and their time with the St. Louis Cardinals. But first, want to let you know that Military Appreciation Night returns to the ballpark on Friday, July the 16th. Fans who purchase a special themed ticket receive an exclusive military-themed Cardinals shirt. Details at cardinals.com slash theme. Looks really good. Cardinals in that white script across the front. That's a navy, or uh, pardon me, kind of olive green military color. Really nice looking shirt. Again, you can check out cardinals.com slash theme to get that special theme night ticket for military night on July the 16th. All right, let's jump in. First, Tom Pagnazzi. Then you're going to hear from Matt a little bit later on. But here's Tom on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Your years in St. Louis, and you were here, I mean, more than a decade. What was the thing that you really enjoyed about playing for the Cardinals? Well, I I think it's one of the greatest organizations uh, all time. You know, you you put it with the Yankees, the Dodgers, you know, maybe Boston, um, you know, with the championships. Uh, There's four or five organizations, you know, listening to guys that played all over the place. uh, They always said the Cardinals did it right. Uh, They did a lot of things the right way. Um, you know, they have the history of winning. I mean, yeah, they go up and down streaks like everybody, but, you know, to, to beat as many playoffs and world series as they have, uh, they've done a lot of things the right way. You know, you've got such a great reputation as a defender, especially what do you think it is that got you to that point in your career? You know, the, the secret sauce, I guess, that, that helped you to become a gold glover. Well, what's, what's really ironic is I hit my way to the big leagues. Um, I was just learning to catch. And um, the day I was sent down in 87, um, you know, Pena broke his wrist opening day. I came up, caught. Um, Whitey Herzog uh, sat me down on, on, the, on the way out and said, man, you, you've got to let's work on your defense. You're going to play here a long time. And, um, you know, I was just learning to catch. I didn't, I, my first game I ever caught in my life was in 1983. Um, I, I had never caught a game in my life up until that point. And uh, so I knew I, I, I needed a long ways to go defensively. I got the AAA really fast. And um, I think that really helped. Uh, it hurt and helped 
um, because I didn't really know how to understand or call in a game. I, I, I didn't use the changeup much because, man, in A-ball, not many guys had good changeups, and you're trying to survive. I kind of skipped over double-A pretty quick. I was only there 30 days and spent uh, half a season in triple-A, then missed the whole next year, basically, played one month. I broke my hand three times in an 11-month period, um, which, which kind of stunted my, my, my growth. Um, offensively and defensively, but like, you know, Lee Thomas and, and Whitey Herzog said, I hit my way to the big leagues and, and I learned how to catch in the big leagues. Whitey obviously helped to kind of shape you and, and chart that course, but who were the other guys when you first got up there, you know, in 87, 88, 89, that helped you kind of realize what it meant to be a big leaguer? Well, I guess I, I let me, let me go back a little bit. David, Dave Ricketts. I mean, you know, I think there's a reason why, St. Louis has had such a, a toehold on the gold gloves. And a lot of it goes back to, to Dave Ricketts, you know, what he did with me. And then Matheny came in, won his first one there of four, you know, three there, one in San Francisco. And then a guy named Yadier Molina came in uh, and, and, and has won a bunch. Um, I, I guarantee you, if you got us all together, if you said pick one person, it would be Dave Ricketts. Um, hands down, the way he worked with us. I worked with him in instructional ball, uh, spring training, in the big leagues as a backup player. Um, he was uh, very instrumental in 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 being there. A, a guy that in the big leagues, you know, there were there, there's a lot of them, but Bob Forsh had a lot of uh, a, a way to teach, a way to talk. Um, did a tremendous job from that standpoint, very quiet, didn't want no credit, um, you know, from, from that standpoint. So getting to play with him early, uh, was, it was a big plus, but there was, there were so many guys. I mean, Whitey, Mike Rourke, who was the pitching coach. Um, I can go back to a ball, Joe Rigoli, who's, who's a scout with, with the Cardinals now playing for him my first two years in, in my, in the minor leagues back when he was the only coach. Um, didn't have five and six coaches like you have today. He, you know, he had one helper, a rover. Um, uh, he took a liking to me and we worked hard and, and he was very instrumental. And then I played for a lot of good managers. I mean, if you look at who I got to play for, not only in the big leagues, but, but coming up, Jim Ruggleman was my double A coach and winter ball coach. Nick Leva played for him in winter ball. Jim Fergosi in triple A, Mike Jorgensen, and then all the guys in the big leagues, you know, four Hall of Famers. Whitey, Joe Torrey, Red in between all those guys, and then Tony Larusa. That's a pretty good roster of, uh, of managers, there's no doubt. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad at all. Matt kind of was talking about when he would come around, when they would come to St. Louis for a visit, or when you guys would come out to the West Coast, and just how much he really treasured those times. What do you remember about him being a kid and running around the clubhouse? Well, that, that's what was neat. Um, I, I had that experience with my brothers at the minor league level. Um, neither one of them got to the big leagues, but, um, you know, I got to experience that and, and shagging for them. And then whenever Matt could come, you know, St. Louis, um, you know, he bat boyed for us a number of times. Um, but just him being around, it was pretty neat because I, I was gone a lot because not only was I playing when I first got to the business, but I was going to winter ball every year. So I, I didn't get to see Matt really until I retired. Um, when I retired, I got to see Matt play. Um, I got to coach him. 
Um, I had the privilege to coach him for two years in his last two years in high school in the summer. Uh, actually, we had three big leaguers off that team, Tuffy Ghostwitch, who caught with the Diamondbacks and the Braves and a couple teams, and Tom Wilhelmson, who pitched for Seattle and Texas. Um, you know, I had those three guys, plus, you know, a bunch of others. Um, I had the guy that started at short in front of Dustin Pedroia <laughs> at Arizona State and turned out to be a Hall of Famer. Um, so that was really fun at that stage, you know, when I retired, got to see him. But it was always a pleasure because they always came to the West Coast, you know, because um, that was the closest for them. And I tried to spend as much time with them as I could, um, bringing Matt to the ballpark and, you know, just looking at young kids, it's, it's until you've been in there and seen that one, we're all good guys and they love messing around with kids and doing stuff. And um, it's, it was a lot of fun. You know, I know for him, it was a lot of fun for me to watch. I know I've heard big league guys say before that, you know, they'll have a young guy, whether it's family or not, that says, Hey, I want to play in the major leagues someday. And that's all well and good. And you never want to crush dreams. But at the same time, most people don't really understand what it takes to succeed at that level. So when he first says that at whatever age, you know, what was, what was kind of the next thing you did to say, okay, well, this is what that looks like. If you want to be here, this is what it takes now. Well, I, I always talked about work ethic. Um, you know, that, that was real important being consistent every day um, from, from that standpoint. You know, I, I grew up with the same thing. Uh, you know, I played with Eddie Vosberg and Mark Carrion on our little league team. Three of us get to the big leagues. We all, we all talked about playing in the big leagues. Um, so, you know, when Matt was talking about, hey, you have the bloodline, you have the ability. It's, it's the work habits. It's, it's the every day. It's not one day I'm going to go hit and the next two days don't. Um, that's what separates a lot of the people. You know, we weren't given God-given ability like, you know, like a lot of the guys, you know, Barry Bonds and, you know, you know, McGuire. I mean, she had certain guys that just had certain tools. There's... 85% of the rest of major leaguers are, are, are grinders and, and they do things right. The passion for the game. Um, there's, you know, 10 or 15% that are God given that are going to get there regardless of what they do. Um, Cause they're just, you know, bigger, stronger, faster, better. Um, and, and we were going to be in that group. And I, and I, I talked, I, you know, I talked to them many times about you can do it. It's, it's, you got to take your priorities and make them first. How did you find out that he had gotten the call when he when he got brought up in 2009? What was that like? Well, it, it's he thinks he's the first one that called me, uh, but I, I'm not going to name who called me. But it was someone on the inside um, that knew it. Um, so I had to I had to play dumb when uh, when when Matt called me to tell me he was going to the big leagues. I, I had known for about an uh, hour and a half before he called me. I don't even know if I knew. I might have known before he did. I've never discussed that with them. But, you know, playing that long, I had friends, friends, you know, and still have friends on the inside. One of them called and said, hey, you know, your nephew's coming up. Something that I remember from when he got called up, and I was telling Matt this, is how excited the fans were because that he was related to you and there was such an affection for you and people in St. Louis love to see it kind of stay in the family, so to speak. Um, what was that like for you just to have those feelings bubble up from the fan base that, you know, we're about not just Matt, but you and your family and what you all collectively were doing here in this space. Well, that, that's what makes St. Louis so special. I mean, not only, you know, yeah, he, he got a little more treatment than maybe some, but they give that to every rookie. 
Um, yeah, they knew a little bit more about him, but, but that's, that's the neat thing about the Cardinal fans. You know, I feel bad for the guys last year that didn't get to play, you know, the Carlson's and guys like that, that their first times up were, were during that time. And uh, they had to wait a year for that, for that ovation, for that feeling, but, but it's, it's, it's not the same. Um, I can remember my first at bat in Bush stadium. I mean, uh, the ovation, I mean, I was, you know, one of the top prospects coming up. They don't know nearly as they do today because of the internet and all that. But, you know, I, I was amazed even then when I had my first at bat, what it was like. Um, it, it, it was crazy. Um, you know, that's, that's just the way the, the Midwest and the Cardinal fans are. That's what people always talk about visitors that I played winter ball, how they loved coming to St. Louis. Cause if they made a great play, the fans recognized it. Um, and, and that's just, that's just the values that we have there. That maybe signature moment for him was that first home run. And we've got some great video with the Mike Shannon call on it. Um, you know, what? I don't know if you were here that night or not, but just whether you were watching the video or whether you were here, do you remember it? And what do you remember about it? You know, I, I was just so excited for him because I remember when I hit my first one. Um, uh, you know, it, it's funny because I think I was more excited for him because I was going through it. I, I was just trying to, I was just trying to put the ball in play. You know, um, to to watch uh, somebody that's close to you, uh, I, I think you get more excited for them. Um, he, it, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, Shannon's call. You know, Mike Shannon, you know, what, what, a, what an incredible ambassador to, to, to St. Louis and, and what a person he is uh, to have him on that call was, was, was good. You were kind of talking about it earlier, work habits and, and you know, God-given ability versus pairing maybe some ability with grinding. You know, he didn't have the, the length career-wise that you did. But just what's the sense of admiration that, you know, three different organizations, not as many games, but hey, he's one of what 20,000 people ever to play big league baseball. What does that say about him that, you know, he, he made it happen? Well, exactly right. You just hit the, the nail on the head. He made it happen. He, he grinded, um, you know, he struggled offensively in the minor leagues. He actually hit better in the big leagues, um, you know, from that standpoint. Pitchers love throwing to him. You know, even when he was in the minor leagues, they might have had a prospect ahead of him, but a big leaguer came down. Matt caught him because they wanted Matt catching him um, because of his defensive ability. Uh, you know, just like what he did, he, he, he grinded and, and, and went through it and, um, uh, you know, be, be got got some big league time. Like you said, he, he's one of 20,000 um, to, to do it. And, and, you know, yes, he didn't have a long career, but, but he got time. And then people, as they watch this, will wonder, I mean, for those of us who don't have the context of being a big leaguer or having a big leaguer in the family, what is that like when you have two former big leaguers, you guys go to a family function? I mean, are you trading stories? Are you, are you sitting around regaling people with, you know, what it takes to get there? I mean, what does that look like now? Well, you know, because we came from a baseball family, you know, my two older brothers were both drafted. One got to AAA, one, one regrettably, Matt's dad regrettably quit after the first year. Um, he was a second round pick in the January draft. And, um, you know, it, 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 it's kicked him for, for, you know, really for his whole life. He wished he would have stayed and give it more of an effort. Um, it, it's always good because, you know, we're a baseball family. You know, I think the proudest guy is grandpa, my dad. Matt's grandpa, 
because because unfortunately he was a Cub fan, um, and we both played for the Cardinals, and we could sit there talk about winning where where he couldn't. Uh, we talked about world's championships. Uh, he couldn't. Um, so that was always our jab with, with grandpa. Um, but, you know, he could sit there and talk all day about baseball. And it was always fun to go over to his house and sit around and, and tell stories um, because you saw how proud he was to have not only his son, but his grandson. That's Tom Pagnazzi, who just at points there was glowing about his nephew, Matt. Again, two very different careers, but uh, they they both made it to the big leagues, and what an accomplishment. Only 20,000 people or so in the history of the billions and billions that have walked the earth have played Major League Baseball. So for two guys from the same family, within just a, about 10 years of each other, you know, their careers almost overlapping there, just shy by about a decade. Uh, that is pretty remarkable thing to be able to say. You know what? I bet you that Tom has some fun memories of Willie McGee. I asked Tom about that a moment ago. You're going to hear more of that story from Matt in just a moment. And if you like Willie McGee, much like Tom and Matt do, on Friday, July 16th, you can add to your bobblehead and gnome collection. Yes, that's right. It's a special one-of-a-kind item. That day, 30,000 fans ages 16 and older going home with an exclusive Willie McGee bobblehead gnome. That is thanks to the good folks at AAA Insurance. Get your tickets today at cardinals.com slash promotions the willie gnome bobblehead wearing that classic powder blue that tom played in for so many years matt didn't play in that it was just those home whites and the road grays in 2009 and 10 let's let you go ahead and hear from the second pagnazi we talked to matt's journey in the big leagues his relationship with his famous uncle along with uh, that great willie mcgee story that i teased just a moment ago here it is it's matt pagnazi on the cardinals insider podcast it's so crazy to me to have two people from the same family that both end up not just playing big league baseball, but end up playing for the same franchise. So let's start there. Just what did it mean to you when you got to play for the Cardinals after your uncle had played for the Cardinals? Um, it meant everything to me. I mean, I grew up as a kid, obviously wanting to be um, just like my uncle, you know, um, that's why I caught, um, you know, we would spend our vacations during the summertime when I was a kid, trying to catch the Cardinals on a West Coast road trip, going to San Diego and LA, San Francisco. And so, um, you know, watching those guys as a kid, Ozzie Smith and my uncle, Willie McGee, um, all those guys. And then to actually be drafted by the Cardinals um, in the same round as Tom was in the eighth round, um, 20 years apart was, uh, was pretty special just to be drafted. And then to actually, um, make it to the big leagues, playing Bush Stadium and playing St. Louis in, in front of those fans was was very surreal. What was it like when he would, it sounds like, bring you in the clubhouse? I mean, just paint that picture a little bit more for us, what age you are and you're walking around. And those names that you just mentioned are, I mean, they are, that's like the upper echelon of Cardinal fandom. Absolutely. Well, for, well, for me, it actually started uh, in San Diego before I even got to a clubhouse. You know, we were at the Marriott at the team hotel and we're hanging out in the lobby with Tom and my family and before they head to the field. And I think it was Willie McGee and, and Ozzy, maybe a few other guys, they came downstairs and, and um, walked outside to jump in a cab. And I was so starstruck. I just, I kind of followed those guys outside, you know, my family's in the lobby looking around, like where did Matt go? And I'm, I'm kind of probably sit, standing out there next to Willie um, just with my chin on the ground. Um, and uh, he actually, Tom told him that story. And um, that game 
that night after the game, Willie actually signed a bat for me and, and Tom gave it to me from Willie just because uh, it was kind of a funny situation. But, uh, you know, going into a big league clubhouse, especially with the Cardinals was, was phenomenal. I was able to do it in 98 when the Cardinals came through and played against the Diamondbacks. Uh, I was a freshman at high school, was able to be a bat boy for a game and, and go out there during BP and, and shag batting practice. So, um, you know, just every time you're out there as a kid, you're just definitely pinching yourself. Did that come full circle with like, you know, Willie, I know he's a coach now. He wasn't when you were here, but um, in your, your time, those parts of those two years here with the big club in St. Louis, did you run into the Willies, the Aussies? Did they remember you? What was that like being a pro yourself at that point and then kind of being around that? Right, absolutely. Um, at that time, I didn't, I didn't necessarily run into to Willie or Ozzy, um, but uh, for me, it was more like Mark McGuire being my hitting coach, you know, and it was, you rewind to 98 when I was a bat boy here during that season when they played the D-backs and, and watching them hit balls out of the window here at Bangalore Ballpark, and then now he's my hitting coach, and so, you know, uh, like John Mabry as well, you know, watching those guys come up and play with my uncle, and then all of a sudden, they're, they're helping me. We're in the same clubhouse together and they're coaching and I'm playing. Um, yeah, it really came full circle. What did that look like for you as a kid with your uncle? I mean, you mentioned he's bringing you to the field. He's, he's introducing you to guys like Willie McGee, but is he getting out in the backyard with you and showing you how to block? Is he talking about what it takes mentally to make it in the big leagues? Like how did that relationship kind of form and grow over the years to get you where you, you got to? That relationship really didn't take off um, until about my junior year of high school, my junior summer. That's about the same time that he, uh, he had shoulder surgery and retired around two, uh, 1999, 2000. And uh, I graduated high school in 01. So he coached my summer ball team, my junior and my senior year of high school. And, uh, you know, before that, we didn't get a ton of time to spend together. I would go out to St. Louis for a spring break here and there. Um, again, we'd see him on the West Coast road trips, but being able to work with him didn't take place till later in high school. And that's just because he was, instead of living in St. Louis, now he's living out here in Paradise Valley and um, having him coach my, my summer, my travel team, those two years was, was huge and instrumental, not just from a, um, a fundamental standpoint, but also kind of like the finer mental parts of the game, you know, things to anticipate, you know, how to call a game, how to handle pitching staffs, things like that. You know, I've heard from guys who are kind of in your shoes, either, you know, a, a nephew or a son of a, a former big leaguer. Some of them say, hey, it's great because I learn a lot of things I wouldn't have known otherwise. And some guys say, you know, there's good parts of it, but it's kind of hard, too, because the name on the back of your jersey puts you into this place where you show up at a travel tournament and somebody expects you to perform a certain way. So which was it kind of for you? Did you feel more pressure or did you feel like it gave you that, you know, that extra step forward? I wouldn't say I, I necessarily felt any pressure, even even, um, you know, from high school, it, it definitely gets you some recognition, you know, that the, the last name, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, is he related to Tom, um, you know, so it gets you that recognition, but you still have to go out and perform, you still have to go out and play, you know, so even when I got drafted by St. Louis, being in that system with that last name, and um, trying to follow in Tom's footsteps, you know, pretty big few, uh, shoes to fill. Um, there wasn't pressure, you know, he was he was who he was and he was fantastic. And, and, and we had some similarities, you know, obviously our careers were a lot different, but uh, you know, it wasn't pressure for me. You get your recognition, but you still have to go out there and perform. What was it like for you when you showed up? And, and I mean, you mentioned, you know, you, you were a big leaguer, that's a huge accomplishment, but you weren't here as long as your uncle was. 
but the way the crowds responded to you, it, it sometimes felt like you had been here that long. They were so excited to kind of see that relationship and that lineage you had from Tom. What was that like when you were, were going through that here in 09 and, and 10? 09 and 10 was awesome. You know, obviously, in 09, making the playoffs and, you know, going to, to L.A. and play against the Dodgers um, was, was something I'll never forget. But, uh, you know, in 2010, not making the playoffs, but still kind of chasing the Reds in the Central that year. You know, and they shut they shut down Yachty about the last uh, two weeks of the season that year because of his knee. So, you know, uh, La Russa ran me out there, I think, 10 out of our last 11 games, you know, and it just so happened that um, I played some of my best baseball. I played my life during that stretch. And um, it wasn't just during those two years, but really throughout my whole career, you know, it took me six years to get there to the big leagues. So maybe I had some more time in the system for people to get to know me. Uh, it took me a little bit longer, but um, you know, the, from day one, all the way to my last game playing with the Cardinals organization um, was what was definitely a dream come true. Do you have a favorite moment in particular that you look back on during your, your time with the Cardinals? Absolutely. Um, I, I would have to say um, it came in two, two, 2010 when they shut down Yachty, you know, and and uh, we kind of were weren't going to catch the Reds at that point in the season. And uh, Wainwright was was still on track to go for his 20th win. So uh, stepping in and, and filling in for Yachty and catching Wainwright's 19th win and his 20th win, um, for me, what was a huge accomplishment to, to be able to step in and try to make that as seamless as possible. I mean, Wayne knows Wayne and, and he could throw to whoever back there and still do well. But for me, it was, um, it, it was a, a great accomplishment to be able to be a part of that. You know, we've got some great video of Mike Shannon calling your first big league home run. Here's a long one in the left. Get up, baby. Get up. Oh, yeah. Magnazzi hits it off the Big Mac sign. Wow. Did he trout that one his first homer of the year? What do you remember about crossing the plate and coming toward the dugout uh, after that moment? Oh, man, it was uh, cloud nine for sure, you know, uh, just floating across the bases. I remember making contact and, and, and watching the ball and kind of felt like I stood in the batter's box for, for a minute because it just seemed so surreal. But uh, crossing home plate, coming into the dugout, you know, seeing La Russa there, uh, Wayno was there. They were trying to get the ball because it, it hit off the Big Mac sign and back onto the field. Um, but, you know, Joe Mather was there giving me a big high five and a hug. You know, Joe Mather and I grew up here in Arizona playing on some of the same travel teams and against each other during high school. Um, obviously up through the Cardinal system together in the big league. So to have Joe Mather there and then, you know, then you hit a ball off the Big Mac land sign and then you come in the dugout and Big Mac standing there himself and gave me a big bear hug and picked me up off my feet. So, um, you know, it was besides the 19th and 20th win with Wainwright, you know, on a personal level, hitting that home run uh, off that sign and, and having Big Mac as, as uh, my hitting coach was, was phenomenal. So what's it like today when you and Tom are together, like at Thanksgiving, are you swapping big league stories or, you know, for people who aren't big leaguers or don't have big leaguers in their family, they probably imagine that, but is that really how it, how it goes down? It's good. It's not always the big league stories, but it's maybe sometimes always the big league trash talking, you know? So, um, you know, and that's been the same ever since I was a kid growing up around Tom, he, he likes to have fun as everybody knows, um, he likes to joke around with everybody. And so, yeah, whether it's a wedding, whether it's Thanksgiving, um, just him coming in town and visiting, it's, uh, it's maybe not always talking about baseball, but uh, it's definitely that atmosphere for sure. 
And then what's life look like for you today? What are you up to since uh, retiring from baseball? Well, 2015 was my last season. Um, you know, and, and at that point I, I got into real estate. I got my real estate license back in 2006. I went to real estate school when I was in high A. I was playing for the Palm Beach Cardinals. And uh, I remember uh, having my break from real estate school in the evenings at nighttime and, and going to sit in my car and listen to the 06 World Series between the Cardinals and the Tigers. And uh, so I got my license um, in 08. Um, a couple of years after I went to school, got down with my last season in 15 jumped into real estate, but um, was kind of really missing that that team atmosphere that I was used to um, playing 13 years professionally and being in a clubhouse my whole life. Um, I was missing that atmosphere. So in 2017, I tested for Phoenix Fire Department, got hired and um, coming up on my four years at Phoenix Fire Department. And it's, it's really helped fill that void of, of having that team atmosphere. And, uh, a firehouse and a clubhouse are very, very similar in the aspects of, of joking, but also that camaraderie and that second family, kind of like a, a fraternity type feeling. So um, I'm still selling real estate as well. So it's, it's, uh, it's a really good setup. I can't, I can't complain. I'm, I'm really lucky to have what I have. I, I'm at the fire station for a 24 hour shift and then I'm home for 48 hours. And during that time, you know, obviously spending time with my family, but um, those two days off, uh, I'm selling real estate and um, I'm ha having a lot of fun with that. And so that's, I mean, that's a job that when I think about that, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, people would say like a, playing big league baseball is pressure, but saving lives is, is pressure. Um, you know, what is that like to step into a situation and really have somebody's life in your hands sometimes? It's, it's, um, it's one of those things that, you know, until I got hired by the fire department, until you're on the job and you're, you're going on calls, um, I really wish I knew how good it was. Um, back then, not that my playing career would have been shortened, but maybe um, post career, that little uh, couple year lag time, I would have gotten hired a little sooner because the job itself is awesome. You know, um, it's very, very similar to baseball. And since we're, we work out together, we train together, we simulate um, different calls, different emergencies. And um, it, it's like baseball in the fact where when you get between the lines, when you get on scene, um, you just react, your instincts take over, your training takes over, you work together as a team. Um, to accomplish a goal. And so in, in that regard, it, it doesn't really feel any different. You know, I still have a lot to learn on the job as a fireman, but um, it's kind of like baseball. You know, you never stop learning. You, you, you can always get better. Thanks to Tom and Matt for their time. Really enjoyed talking to both of those gentlemen. And I hope that you enjoyed getting to hear from them and maybe getting to know them a little bit better as well. I think you also would enjoy it if you joined us at the ballpark on Saturday, July 17th. That is when the Cardinals take on the San Francisco Giants. That day, 30,000 fans, 16 and older, taking home a white Paul Goldschmidt jersey that is courtesy of Wells Fargo Advisors. Great tickets still available right now. Hop on your device and head to cardinals.com slash promotions to gate giveaway that home white Paul Goldschmidt jersey for those fans 16 and older. Thanks for listening today. You can always interact with the show by email, podcast with an S at cardinals.com. I read every single one, and I'll get back to you as well. Uh, I really appreciate getting to hear what you think of the show, what you might want to hear further in the show. If there's a specific guest that you would be interested in, send them my way, cardinals.com, or pardon me, podcast with an S at cardinals.com. 
We also really enjoy positive ratings, reviews. Those go a long way to helping us accomplish our goals here on the program and to make it thrive. So if you like the show, please do participate by giving us a positive rating or review. And this year, you've probably heard me say we're dropping new episodes on the final weekday of each month. So this one, if you're listening on the day it it uh, was available for download, is June 30th, 2021. But Flashback Friday starting to get going at the Cardinals Museum. That's been some awesome content in the past. And so we're mixing those in as bonus episodes along the way, too. You heard Tom Schieber, who is the senior curator at the Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum already. He's in the feed. And coming up soon, within the next couple days, it's going to be Danny Mack, who had a, a great, wide-ranging conversation with our team historian, Brian Finch. So Dan has uh, been on this podcast before. He was kind enough to sit down with me in 2018 uh, at spring training, and we brought that to you early in our second season. It's one of our highest-rated episodes ever. Dan is just instant offense, no other way to put it. And uh, i got to tell you, he's a great guy. To not just a great broadcaster, but a great human being. So you'll be sure to want to catch Dan McLaughlin, his Flashback Friday with Brian Finch. Again, coming up very soon, so be subscribed here to the program. Make sure you don't miss it or any of our other great content. For Tom and Matt Pagnazzi, I'm Brett McMillan. It's always a pleasure and a joy. Thanks for stopping by. This has been the Cardinals Insider Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time.